This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 196th episode. We are a month away from episode 200. And although with episode 200, I'll do something a little bit special, that also means I'm coming up on the 20th Fly Fishing Accusations podcast, about a month away from that. So any feedback, questions you have about fly fishing or life in general, any comments or accusations about anything said on the podcast, anything written on the website, I'm happy to field those and talk about that on that episode. But as always, uh, you can reach out Matthew at castingacross.com or through any social media, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and I will do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. It's the least I can do for you taking the time to not only listen to what I have to say, but then interact with it. So today we're talking about a gear again, talking about gear. Uh, it's been a number of episodes since I've talked about uh, purchasing gear, and this has actually been on my mind a lot lately, uh, and it has nothing to do with fly fishing. Well, I'm going to take that back. It's not that it has nothing to do with fly fishing, it's that it isn't primarily about fly fishing gear. So I have been fly fishing since I was 16, so we're talking over 20 years now, and I have been in the quote-unquote industry for a good chunk of those, whether I was selling fly fishing gear at a big store as an independent retailer or working in conservation with youth education. And then we've got what I've been doing for the last almost seven years now with casting across. So in different ways, shape, or forms, I've had a foot in the fly fishing world. And so it's become almost second nature for me to shop for fly fishing gear. I've 
got a pretty decent you know finger on the pulse of what's being put out and so when it comes time for me to get something new then i kind of know what i want and there's a good chance that i know somebody that's either used it or designed it or sells it so i can have that really easy line of communication for what i'm going to get so i understand that that is not the typical experience for most fly fishers but i've had a wake-up call because i have had to buy gear for an outdoor pursuit in a world that I am still very much a beginner in. And this is where I think the the corollary to fly fishing comes in. So if you've only been fly fishing for a few years, or if you've been fly fishing for a number of years, you're listening to my podcast, but this is not something that you do all the time. So you're still not super familiar with it. Then I would say that my experience with not just waterfowl hunting in general, but purchasing waterfowl hunting gear in particular may very well be helpful for you because I have had to start from scratch. Well, let me take that back. I haven't had to start from scratch. For one, I have bought fly fishing gear and general outdoor gear, whether it be conventional angling gear, camping, hiking, paddling stuff for the last 20 years. Uh, I also have a great friend who has been hunting ducks for a long time, so I can bounce things off of him. Uh, Because I am quasi-tech savvy, I know how to hop online and do my research. But that being said, there's still been a little bit of a learning curve, and you may have experienced that yourself as you have bought something, whether that be a KitchenAid mixer or um, you know new tires for your car, or it might have to do with a fly rod or waders or a wading jacket. So today I'm going to talk through a few different things that I have found that will probably be helpful for you when it comes to fly fishing gear, but it also might be helpful for you as you are looking for just general outdoor gear that you can apply to your fly fishing uh, uses. Now, this is something I have talked about before and something that I'm kind of passionate about only because I think that as much as I love the fly fishing industry and as much as I love fly shops and as much as I love fly fishing companies that make gear specifically for fly fishers, I think at the end of the day, I want what they want. And that is for people to enjoy fly fishing. And more often than not, that means finding a piece of gear, whether that be a wading jacket or whether that be a pair of gloves or a hat that fits your purposes for fly fishing, regardless of where it comes from. So we're going to lean on buying fly fishing gear for our terminal stuff, rods, reels, lines, flies, fly boxes, things like that. But there's a whole other world out there. So I guess if there's going to be two aspects to this conversation for the next 10, 15 minutes, it is one, how do you shop when you're still kind of navigating the terrain? And two, how do you shop kind of outside the fly shop, outside of the fly box? So I I hate to caveat this over and over again, but I think it's important for me to say, again, support your local fly shop. Uh, but I think the best fly shops are are integrating other stuff into their their repertoire, and that's important. And that's one of the things that I discovered most recently. So I wanted to start from the ground up. So I started waterfowl hunting last year, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It is it is different than fishing, but at the same time, it's very similar. Um, if you love if you if you like hunting, it is a very fast paced version of it. I'd only really hunted deer uh, and small game up until this point, and so to be out on the water uh, calling birds. And it was just so much fun. And 
I was able to do it with some of my fishing gear for waders. So I was using like wading boots and waders. And then I had a camouflage uh, jacket that I wore on top of it. That was really just a rain shell. And of course, I had a, a shotgun that worked pretty well. But I didn't go out and buy anything aside from a handful of decoys and uh, and things like that. But what that showed me was one, Fishing waders are not adequate for duck hunting in New England in late November and December and early January. It just didn't work. There was nothing that I could do to keep my feet warm. And listen, I've fished in the Lake Erie tributaries for steelhead in snowstorms, uh, but there is something very different about sitting on the bank, not moving and being cold than standing in the river and being cold. They're two very different sensations. So I went to look for a pair of insulated boot foot waders. And this pair that I found, I am incredibly happy with. Uh, it's They're baggier than normal fishing waders, but I'm walking around in these things, given it's like 95 degrees out right now, but I'm walking around my house in these things thinking, man, for steelhead season, this is absolutely where it's at. Especially if you have a run that you're going to fish all day, you're not going to be walking, not going to be walking up and down. You're not going to be on the ice a lot. They're fantastic because they're insulated feet. And, you know, this is um, like almost backwards. We, we have become so uh, used to in fly fishing saying you buy your stocking foot waders uh, that you, that fit you, and then you find your boots that fit you, and then you can use those to to tie really tight or torque up using whatever other sort of fastener system they have, and then you've got great ankle support. And nine times out of ten, that is absolutely what I would recommend. But if you're not walking that far and you're fishing incredibly cold climates, then by all means, have a pair of insulated boot foot waders. Um, and you get it both ways. There's a 1600 gram thin slate in the boots themselves, which have a pretty aggressive lug sole. And if you're fishing in certain states these days, uh, you know, felt is still outlawed the last time I, I checked. Um, although I haven't heard a lot about that. So I'd have to look into that, but I don't fish a lot of felt anyway. Um, and then they have the ones I bought have a zip in insulated liner. So it goes from like right at my chest, all the way down to my anklers. It's a zip in, I think, uh, 200 gram insulated liner. So that's one less layer that I have to wear around and, and put on. And they're a lot more roomy. So it's a lot of conversation about insulated waders, but you're not going to find those in the fly fishing section of your catalog or of your uh, outlet store or your retail store. So this is something that you have to go looking for, something that you have to look outside of that fly shop uh, aisle, and you can find something that's incredibly helpful. But for me, what I had to do was really start from scratch and get rid of all of my preconceived notions because these fit different than fishing waders. Uh, they function different than fishing waders. The bells and whistles that they come with uh, are completely different than fishing waders. The reinforcement is found in different places. Uh, and so I had to, as I was researching this particular gear purchase, I had to get rid of all my preconceived notions and just say, what is going to work best for me in this situation? Um, you know, common wisdom says that you buy stocking foot waders and boots for fly fishing. That is not what I needed in this situation. But now I have these for waterfowl, I'm absolutely going to use them for cold weather fishing uh, here in, in New England. Uh, maybe even I'll use it in the salt because man, even where I live, 
it, the water is still stinking cold. I'm recording this in early August, and the last time I was there, it was just it was miserable for a while until I kind of got numb from the waist down. So that's the first thing. The second purchase that I made is an, is another one that just it just makes so much sense. I got a three in one jacket. It's actually like a three in one parka. So it's an it's a zip in uh, liner that is water resistant, and then it has a waterproof shell on the outside. And this thing has pockets, 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 and it's waterproof. And because it's a waterfowl jacket, the cuffs are um, neoprene and they cinch super tight. So whether you're retrieving a bird or it's raining out or you are grabbing your decoys, which I tell you what, you know, I thought I'd known cold uh, before, um, but uh, there's not many situations where I have been fly fishing where I've gotten uh, a lot of water on my hand and then lifted my hand over my head. Uh, with with duck hunting, as I've been in the kayak, picking up decoys and lifting them up to put in the sled behind me or in the kayak behind me, and to have that uh, negative angle and have that cold water roll down from my wrist to my elbow to my armpit in uh, you know sub-zero temperature, that's pretty miserable. That'll make you go out and spend money on a neoprene cuff jacket ASAP. And that's precisely what I did. But this thing is fantastic. Now, again, I only had it for a few days, haven't used it in the field, but wearing it around, the number of pockets is excellent, both exterior and interior, which a lack of interior pockets is one of my big gripes with a lot of the fishing specific jackets that I that I have. Um, this one has magnet closures on the chest pockets and the waist pockets. Um, it has a removable hood, which is clutch. And it's in camo, but you know what? I really could not care less about how I look when I'm out in the water. Um, the only time when I, I do care about that is when I'm trying to be camouflaged or when I want to wear blaze orange. But this jacket is is basically the same price as a wading jacket, but it came as two jackets in one. And it's as waterproof or water resistant as any uh, wading jacket that I own. So again, this is kind of going outside of the fly fishing aisle. And I had to say, what is going to work well for me in this situation? And when it came down to it, even though I started from a completely different starting point, what do I need to use this for? It's not a wading jacket. It's not primarily to keep me dry. It's to, you know, to conceal me, keep me dry, keep me warm. I ended up with something that if my nice high quality rating jacket, which is a little bit old, were to you know poop out on me in the next uh, season, I'd be completely content using this one and uh, looking like a like a tree out in the stream. So that's two pieces of gear that I've procured. Um, oh, a third one to throw in there. Okay, so I was saying I didn't really care how what I look like. Well, I, that's that's a little bit of a lie. So the 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 waders that I recently purchased are mossy oak shadow grass habitat. So kind of look like a tree with cattails and weeds in front of it. The jacket, however, is uh, bottomlands, which looks like like a, a tree trunk. And then I thought, okay, what kind of hat should I get? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a shadow grass hat to kind of coordinate, you know, because the ducks care about these things. Um, and, you know, the person at McDonald's after, you know, 9 a.m. when I'm driving through is going to care about this as well. And so I get online and I find this shadow grass hat and it is a breathable waterproof ball cap. So all my other ball caps are just cotton and or, you know, trucker style. And when they get wet, you know, I get wet. This was maybe three dollars more. It's like a twenty three dollar hat at Bass Pro Shop. Waterproof, breathable. Like, how is this not a thing that's out there? Maybe people don't care that much, but especially if you are fishing and getting wet or hunting and getting wet, uh, something like this is is clutch. It's, it's one way just to keep you a little bit more comfortable. And I'd never heard of such a thing. Um, I might be wearing a lot more than some of my other nasty, dirty hats, although I, it's going to be very hard for me to put down my 
15 year old um, bear's hat that's gone from orange to to pale uh, white. Although not a lot of reasons to celebrate the Chicago Bears these days, but I still wear the hat. All right. So how did I get this stuff? And this is one of the things that I wanted to mention, especially if you are looking for deals on gear. So again, re-caveat uh, what, what I've said earlier, which is uh, patronize your local fly shop. And most of the time, that's going to work out great for you. But if you are on a budget or you simply are looking for something in particular, you hop online and search that second and third page of Google. And here's why. I found those waiters at about 40% off and that jacket at 50% off. This year's model, my size, I wouldn't say it was necessarily the pattern that I wanted, but again, I put that as like the lowest tier of, of priorities. I wanted them to fit and I wanted them to serve my my function. The form, as far as the camo patterns, was was not a huge deal. And I think in fly fishing, I would say exactly the same thing. If you want something in olive, but you get it in tan, uh, if you want it in navy and you end up getting it in you know, like slate gray, then it is what it is. Unless that's a high priority for you and you'd rather spend full price or you know spend a little more, then by all means, go for it. I do not judge people for aesthetic uh, choices. But I ended up getting the waders from someone in Texas, and I got the jacket from somewhere in Louisiana. And for, I think, free shipping on both of them, I got them both within a week. And... As I was searching through, I was seeing sporting goods stores I had never heard of before. Now, given the hunting market is a lot larger than the fly fishing market, uh, the the hunting market, I think it is even bigger than the fishing market, if I if I am correct. But uh, yeah, you could you could fact check me on that. So you're going to find a lot more options when it comes to something like hunting or conventional angling or just general outdoors as far as different stores than you are for fly fishing. But don't sleep on it. Hop on and scroll through to that second and third page. Once you find a sporting goods store, and I did this for both of the sporting goods stores that I found. One of them I thought I'd heard of before, but I still I went on their website, make sure they were legit, make sure they weren't just some fly by night, you know, outlet. And I found out there were a whole chain of stores in Texas and they have, you know, great reviews and people like them and you know their sales seemed too good to be true, but it was it was completely legitimate. The other one in Louisiana, small family owned store. But they've been there for a long time. They have a brick and mortar. They had a phone number, and it worked out great. And I was able to save a lot of money. I mean, I'm talking, I think it was like $750 worth of gear that I ended up spending less than $400 on, which was awesome. I mean, I didn't want to break the bank for, for something that, even though I, I'm pretty sure I'm all about, I'm only still just getting into. So if that's you in fly fishing, if you can afford it and you want that to try everything on, you want to talk to someone face-to-face, -face, then go into the fly shop. That is going to be an experience that you cannot replicate online. Uh, I, there's some great online fly shops, but you're not going to be able to get that customer service. You're not going to be able to get that attention to detail and that personalized fit and touch and, and for them to like work out the nuances of what you, what you are doing, uh, you know, the fly shop is the first choice. Big box store is the second choice. Online is uh, is the third choice. But I would say if you're at that big box store, walk over to the hunting aisle and check it out. See what's over there. See if there's something that might fit you better, both physically fit you better and meet your needs better. Uh, and and I, I dare say there's something that's probably going to work as well, if not better. And there's a chance you're going to be able to save a little bit of money on it. So 
first thing is kind of those anecdotal stories about the waiter's jacket and, of course, the very important Shadowgrass hat. Second thing about where you find it. You get it online uh, if, if, if you're willing to do that uh, research. And here's the third thing. Last season, I didn't get into it until uh, kind of maybe a third of the way through the season. So even if I wanted to go out and get stuff, things just weren't available. Now, some of that had to do with the fact that we were coming out of coronavirus still, and there's supply chain issues and shortages and all that sort of stuff. But things sell. Uh, uh, you find this with with rods and lines, and you find this with waders and waiting boots. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff where supply, especially when the season kicks in, it's going to be in greater demand. And so now, this is being recorded in August, now's the time where you're going to start to see things come back around, things come back available uh, in fly fishing. I actually have a couple of recent things that I picked up at a rod and a line that I got late last month that they came out in I think February and they were out of stock until like July and so I grabbed them as soon as they came back in stock and again you know supply chain being what it is and all those other factors involved that's not abnormal for something that is popular and new to be kind of unavailable um, you know the, there's not just money lying around for these companies even the biggest fly fishing companies are relatively small potatoes in the grand scheme of things and so now is the time if you see it to get it and also, now is the time to take advantage of sales. Uh, if you're looking for something because you're a winter angler, then hop on it. Uh, now is the time for that. Um, if you are a hunter, whether it be turkey or waterfowl or deer or other big game, then now is the time to, to grab that stuff, to go looking for those sales. Some of these, you know, for, for, for bigger, you know, parkas and lay down blinds and waders and all that sort of stuff that takes up a lot of space. If there's a new pattern or they've gone from the version two to the version three or something like that, then these retailers are getting have to get rid of it because this stuff takes up a ton of space uh it's not like a fly it's not like a fly rod um but this bigger stuff that's where you see the bigger markdowns on some of these soft goods especially like jackets i remember uh when i sold fly fishing gear for a fly shop that the jackets those those sales those were quick and fast i mean it started off at 10 percent, but it quickly went to 25 and 40 percent so when you see those sales watch those sales. And if size really matters to you, then I would say go for it. Oh, one last thing before I wrap up. Size made me made me think of this. Uh, consider your layering uh, practice and your layering theory. Um, if you don't like layering, um, then don't buy a big puffy jacket. Find something that fits you. Uh, bigger isn't necessarily better. You want to find that balance between the op the option to layer and also there being a little bit of, of breathable space in there. You don't want to be like Michelin Man uh, as you're walking to the water or to the duck blind or into the woods or just even just on your, your winter walk. Uh, you want there to be a little bit of air circulating in there so it's comfortable. Uh, secondly, uh, I would say that you don't want to have too much space because that is where you have problems. I think I mentioned this in a waiter episode. Things that are too baggy creates points of compromise. Uh, you're going to have creases in your gear, especially something that has a little bit of rigidity like a waterproof jacket or a pair of waders or, or a pair of boots. That They are not going to last longer because you're swimming in them. You may very well cause there to be stress points uh, as they crease and create seams. So just a quick note on sizing that uh, I've been thinking about. Anyway, a couple of different topics. Hopefully that's helpful to you. Um, 
you know, obviously I didn't name drop any stores or brands or anything like that, because really this was not about that for me. It was about trying to find something that worked for me at the price that I wanted. Uh, I have no problem shelling out high dollar for stuff, but where I am in this activity in waterfowl hunting, I'm still at the very beginning stages. So I wanted to get something that was functional for me, that met all of my needs, keeping me warm, keeping me dry, keeping me relatively hidden from birds. And I was totally content buying last year's stuff at discounted rates, sight unseen, and uh, I think it made it, made out all right with it. So I'll, uh, that being said, I'll let you know in a couple of months if I'm you know wet and uncomfortable with what I bought, and then maybe I'll drop some some brands and, and some names and, and uh, show the dirt if that needs to happen. This week on castingacross.com, the first article that came out on Monday. Every article comes out on Monday and Wednesday. The first one is called Reading the Water Top to Bottom. And this is the print version of the podcast from last week, which talks about reading the water starting up in the trees and going all the way down to the stream bottom. And so I took what I talked about and I turned it into a quick to read article and that got some good traction. Uh, read that one if you are new to fly fishing or if you want to communicate how to read the water to somebody that you fish with. It's a, I think it's, it's just concise and quick and just a, a good practice. Uh, today's article is called Fish on TV and Phones Too. Fish on TV and Phones Too. And here I talk about how I have gotten back into the habit of watching uh, hunting and fishing shows. Uh, I kind of went away from it for a while because I was doing a lot of fishing, like a lot more fishing than I'm doing now. And it just, I don't know, it made me anxious. And you can psychoanalyze me about that if you want, but I just, it, it made me want to get on the water even more, even though I was already fishing quite a, quite enough. So it's that, you know what, this is probably not a, a good idea, but I'm back into it where, you know, if I have 20 minutes to kill, I'll hop online and check something out. And what I have found to be a great resource is the network that this podcast is playing on, Waypoint TV. I'm on Waypoint TV for a few reasons. One, it puts me in a cadre of, of other great uh, content for hunting, fishing, and general outdoors. And also, they manage all of the ads. So the ads that you hear at the beginning and the end of my podcast, which I would encourage you to patronize, at least check it out, see what they got going on. Um, they run all that. I don't have to do that myself anymore. And so Waypoint TV. This week's recommendation on the podcast is Waypoint TV. It is free. There are some paywall things on there, but that's it, it is the 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 um, fringe stuff. There's some classes on there, which they're great great content. But uh, the majority of what's on there, certainly the podcast, but the videos, fly fishing films, hunting films, stuff like that is all free to access. So you can find that not just online on your, your browser, uh, but also on your phone. There's an app on your Roku, on your Fire Stick, um, all over the place. You can find it. There's actually a, a live streaming channel if you have a cable or satellite provider, but there's just all sorts of stuff and they're doing a good job of kind of amassing more and more content. I'm about to said talent, but I mean, I don't want to put myself in, in that category, but definitely check it out. If you find a show that you really like, then let me know. I'd love to share that with everybody else because I'm happy to promote Waypoint since I'm a part of that network. Um, and I'm happy to promote the people that do good stuff as always. So let me know, Matthew at castingacross.com. You can find a link to Waypoint TV on every podcast page at the bottom of the show notes on castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.